are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Wednesday show for you. We're going to talk a little bit about the interview that Charity did with Caitlin Bristow. Go over it very, very shortly. Not a ton to add to it because I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I listened to some of it. Give me my thoughts. Taylor Swift is increasing her international tour, and this is unreal. We'll get to that. I got a couple emails asked to me about Caitlin and Caitlin and, and a former podcast guest. Some F-Boy Island news, sort of, and came across something on TikTok last night. This is probably old. I have no idea when it was, but it was hilarious, and you know I love game show stuff. We're going to go over something that happened on the Family Feud. I have no idea how long ago it happened. I just saw it on TikTok last night, and we'll get to that momentarily. This podcast brought to you by Coming Out for Love, the first U.S. lesbian dating competition show. It's on comingoutforlove.com. Click on bundles in the top right-hand corner. Click on whatever bundle you want to purchase, and then at checkout, type in promo code REALITYSTEVE for 15% off your order. New episodes are out every Friday. There's seven episodes in. doesn't matter when you sign up. You could sign up now and go watch the first seven episodes uh, anytime that you want, but you got to purchase a bundle to watch the series, and it's one of the best reality dating shows, one of the most real and authentic reality dating shows you'll ever see. Like I said, it's the first U.S. lesbian dating competition show, and when you watch this, I just you're gonna see things that you've just never seen, having watched you know The Bachelor, or The Bachelorette, all the dating shows that we're used to watching. It's just the same concept, but almost totally different. And you'll know what I mean if you go check out this show. Like I said, comingoutforlove.com. Click on bundles, purchase whatever one you want, and then at checkout, type in promo code Reality Steve for fifteen percent off your order. So let's get going. Caitlin Bristow did a sit-down interview for her podcast with Charity Lawson. It came out yesterday. I listened to some of it, and there isn't a whole lot that I'm going to add to it because if I knew some of the spoilers, I can fill you in on some of the things that Charity was hinting at in some of her answers. But beyond that, it's not like Charity gave anything away. She's not allowed to give anything away. She's clearly been coached on how to answer certain questions. So, ooh, a virus and threat protection on my computer just popped up. How about that? Did you hear that jingle? Don't know why I got that. Anyway, but, you know, there's, it's, these leads are coached. They know exactly what to say, and Charity's no different than any other past lead. Obviously, this was planned to be released on Caitlin's podcast, the podcast before the first episode of the season, which we know happens on Monday. And then when we get to Monday, we're back to a regular schedule on the Reality Steve site. You'll get my recaps on Tuesdays. You'll get my reader emails on Wednesdays. So get those in at steve at realitysteve.com. And then, you know, still get your daily roundups every day, the Sports Daily. And then on Thursday, you get three podcasts with my weekly uh, podcast. And look, I've seen it. I've seen it on the tweets. I've seen a few of you email me, oh, why doesn't Steve write anymore? Well, I, I just think that you're not paying attention because I haven't written in the off season in like 
three or four years. Like, this is the way it's been. When the show goes off the air, there's nothing to write about other than to occasionally fill you in. If I'm getting spoilers during the season, yes, I'll do it on my podcast, but I will do it on my website. I didn't get a lot of spoilers for charity season, so there was nothing to write. I don't know what you want me to write when the show is going, is nothing's being aired. And it's been this way for three or four years, so the people that say, why don't you write anymore, it's like, I don't know what to tell you. I've doing, been doing the same exact thing for three or four years now. I write three twice a week when the show is on the air. Tuesday recap, Wednesday reader emails. When the show is off the air, I don't write in the off season unless it is spoiler related. So that's why there hasn't been any writing. And the other thing is, and to be honest with a lot of you people, I've seen the numbers. I know what my numbers are. Two years ago, 80 to 85% of my income came from my website and my podcast was a bonus. It is now flipped. It's done a 180. 80 to 85% of my income is my podcast. And the website doesn't get the traffic that it did, that it used to do. It just doesn't. And it just goes to, people don't read anymore. You know? Um, because, and it, it's not because I'm writing less, because when I was writing less and taking off seasons off, the traffic was still there once the season came back. The traffic just dwindles now because people don't want to do any sort of reading, especially long form reading. And also, you know, you're covering a show that, you know, back in the day before social media, when my pot, when my column and my recap was out of the bachelor or bachelorette episode by eight or 9am the next morning, let's be honest. It was, if not the first, one of the first recaps of the show that anybody could get to the next day after it aired. Now you've got people live tweeting the show, uh, going live right after the show. Like there's so many different things that you can consume recap wise when watching an episode that, yeah, reading a recap the next day almost is like, great. I've already heard 10,000 opinions on last night's episode. Here's just another one. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. It makes sense. So why am I going to spend my time writing so much when you're not reading? You know, I mean, I hate to use this analogy because Chris Harrison used it a long time ago. But if you run a restaurant and you sell hamburgers and you have the best hamburgers in town and it's the number one hamburger selling place in the area, are you going to start selling pizza and make just as much pizza as hamburgers? No, you're going to keep selling hamburgers. So while I do and while I'm still going to write, it's, I'm still going to recap because that's how Reality Steve was started, but I'm not going to give up my podcast when it is 80% of my income now. Just is. I mean, facts are facts. If you were in my position, you'd be doing the same exact thing. So I know it's very easy for you to sit back there as someone who isn't doing this as a job and say, oh, I'm so disappointed in you that you don't write anymore. Well, if you were in my position, you wouldn't be writing as much either because People don't read, especially long-form writing. It's just the way it is. All right. We knew Taylor Swift was going on an international tour. However, <laughs> she released her dates for her international tour yesterday, and holy shit, we've already known that this era's tour, I mean, I can't wait until just the U.S. portion of the era's tour is done which is the second week of August in L.A. 
Because then I'd like to know, I don't know if we'll get exact numbers, but you know, you'll hear from music reviewers who have an idea of how much this concert grossed in the U.S. So she started in March and she's going to end the second week of August. So essentially a, what, um, six month tour in, in, in the United States with about 50 to 55 dates that she did over six months. Well, her international tour was announced and it starts basically three weeks after her last U.S. stop, which is in L.A., She's going to Mexico, and she's doing four dates in Mexico. But then starting August of 2024, or 2023, August 24th is her first out-of-country date. August 24th of 2023. Her international tour is taking her all the way until August of 2024. So she did basically 50 to 55 shows in six months in the U.S. Then she's extending this era's tour another year now. From August of 2023, starting in Mexico City, and going all the way until August of 2024, where she's going to end in London. So, six months in the U.S., 50-55 dates, and then she's going to take a year to do essentially 50-55 to 55 shows. Let me scour this real quick and count. It's exactly 50 dates, August of 2023 to August of 2024. This is going to be a year and a half tour with over 100 dates total between the U.S. and overseas. (laughs) I don't, I mean, like, you know, I follow music. I've liked music my whole life, but I've never really paid attention to numbers. I got to believe with what it's doing in the U.S. and these, every single one of these concerts in overseas is going to sell out. We know it is. I'd be really interested to know after a year and a half of touring at the end of August of 2024, a year and a half of touring, over 100 shows. This has to be the highest grossing concert of all time, right? Like, I am so deep into the numbers on this. I want to know this so bad and how it compares to other people's tours. It, it's got to be the biggest tour ever. Has to be. I don't remember a lot of people that toured for a year and a half. I mean, I'm talking about at the peak of their popularity. A year and a half she's going to do this era's tour. I thought, like, okay, six months, you know, she'll get some time off. Now, it's good that it is spread out, her era's tour in Europe, because it looks like she's taking um, basically December and January off because uh, her last date in 2023 is in Brazil in November of 2023. And then she doesn't start up again until February 7th in Japan. So she's taking December and January off. And like I said, this Eras tour that she's doing overseas, her international Eras tour, is taking a full year to do 50 dates, whereas in the U.S. it took her six months to do 50 dates. So unbelievable that she's doing this. I I can't wait to see the numbers on this. If anybody out there is in the music industry that knows this, I don't, I don't even know what the highest grossing tour of all time is right now. I guess I could Google it, but I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this whole thing and incredible that you've already known how blown away by her by her as I am right now doing 50 to 55 shows in the six months in the U.S. Then she's going to take three weeks off and keep the Eras tour going for another year doing another 50 dates in all different countries. <laughs> Props to her. 
So I got two emails uh, in regards to people in Bachelor Nation. The first one I got was in regards to Caitlin, and they said, "I've been listening to you, uh, listening for you to address this in your daily roundup. I haven't if if you missed it, I, I might have missed it. If you did, did you see that Caitlin addressed her sexuality twice recently? Once commenting that she is bisexual, and again saying we are all a little gay here on her podcast when Becca Tilly was her guest this week. Just found it interesting. Was curious to hear your take on it." I heard both of those, and I don't really know what... There's nothing to add for me. It's like, good for her that she's open about her sexuality. I, I don't know what you want me to say. Um, I thought she had referenced this a while ago, too. I mean, and maybe she, maybe she was a little more open recently about it, like those two, those two instances that you just mentioned, but I thought she had referenced this a while back. Regardless, I don't think it matters. I mean, who cares? Um, I mean, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to comment on something like that. You know, it's like, yeah, she just she just told everybody her truth. It's like, that's her truth. Good for her. The other email I got said, I've been a big listener for a long time, was watching the Randall Scandal documentary on Hulu and recognized Amy Kaufman from being on your podcast years ago. I was wondering if you would have her back on the podcast to talk to her about it. She talked about it on Vile Files, and I would love to hear her talk about it on your podcast. So would I. It's the best answer I can give you. I, I'll say this. Look, I texted Amy. The last three times I've texted Amy Kaufman, she hasn't responded. So it's very possible that she has a new number. It's very possible she doesn't want to do my podcast. Or it's very possible she's just not good at getting back to someone. I don't know. Now, granted, when I did look back on my phone, I asked her to come on my podcast twice in 2020. One was like June and then one was August. Now, that was, you know, middle of the pandemic. Maybe she had more important things to do. Totally understandable. And then this past March, I reached out to her again on text and didn't hear back. So, you know, it's, I, I mean, I, I don't, I'll never beg someone to come on my podcast. I, I reach out to them that when I had had her on the podcast, she's been on my podcast at least two or three times before in the past. And it's been through the same way. I just text her and say, would you like to come on the podcast? And she has said yes. And we've done it. So, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I have, I have no idea, but uh, would it be interesting? Even though I have not watched that documentary yet, um, on Randall Emmett, I uh, I know that she's a big part of it. I know the documentary stemmed from the reporting that she did on the sh- uh, on Randall Emmett for the LA Times, and that's why the whole documentary came about. It's based on what she wrote in the LA Times. But there's only so much I can do. And then a few of you reached out to me in regards to the Kourtney Kardashian story that I talked about a couple days ago. And yes, I'm well aware of... Courtney holding up the sign, Travis, I'm pregnant, is straight out of a Blink-182 video from 20 years ago. My whole thing was Travis acting surprised. So the way it was presented in the story was Travis acted surprised because it's seemingly he didn't know that Courtney was pregnant. But there's no way he didn't know because we've seen her baby bump and she lives with the guy. I'm guessing he had an idea that she was pregnant. So maybe his surprise, quote unquote, was the fact that he didn't know she was going to hold up a sign at her concert. 
I'm guessing that's what the surprise was. However, when you read any of the stories, that's not what they were alluding to. They were alluding to the fact that Travis seemed surprised of the announcement. So, and that doesn't make any sense now, knowing um, we can see her belly bump. So, yeah, um, that was it on the Courtney Kardashian story. Now, finally, I want to talk a little family feud because I love game show stories. They're the best. I love especially when people on game shows give ridiculous answers or screw up or say something with a giant, you know, laced with sexual innuendo. (laughs) I don't know when this was from. I was just scrolling my TikTok feed last night, and I have no idea what year this was from. It could have been five years ago, but I saw a family feud final round. Steve Harvey's the host, so he's still the host, right? He still does it. So it's got to be in the last five years, but I have no idea when this was. And you might already know about this. Anyway, family gets to the final round. The father, I think he's the father. He goes first. And he got 182 points, which is a lot. I've seen people get higher. I I think I've seen somebody win. The first person get over 200 in their answers. But it doesn't happen very often. 182 is like about probably top point zero 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 one percent of the best scores ever in the first round and that means the second person who goes only has to get 18 points and you win so this guy got 182 points the five questions i'll give you his five the five questions that were are part of the final round and what his answers were and then i'll go over hers so the first question was we surveyed 100 single men on a scale of one to ten what chance do you have of dating a girl who's a 10 and the guy answered five That was the number one answer. He got 31 points for that. A kind of place that people keep checking their watch. He said airport. That got him 18 points. Church or doctor's office was the number one answer. Name a noisy insect. He said cricket. That was the number one answer. Got him 38 points. Name something a person's belly does. He said growls. That was the number one answer. Got him 42 points. Fill in the blank. A married couple might be deeply in blank. He said love. That was the number one answer, 53 points. So he got 182 points, but the key here is four of the five answers he gave were the number one answers. So you knew the second person, assuming, because these questions were really straightforward. Those are probably the answers I think most people would have given right out of their mouth when they heard it. But the daughter steps up. And you knew she was going to repeat some of his answers and then, you know, get flustered. You know, once you hear that beep, you're like, oh, shit, I got to think of another answer. And then some people just completely melt down. Well, needless to say, (laughs) the daughter completely melted down. So first question. We asked 100 single men on a scale of 1 to 10, what chance do you have of dating a girl who's a 10? She said four. Second question kind of place people keep checking their watch. She said airport, just like her father did. Uh-uh. Her next answer was restaurant. Name a noisy insect. She didn't even answer it. She said pass. Name something a person's belly does. She said growls. Uh-uh. Her next answer was throws up. <laughs> Fill in the blank. A married couple might be deeply in blank. Love. (laughs) She said marriage. So just for those who um, can't put the visual together, 
a married couple might be deeply in marriage. That was her answer. So you knew once they turned around, she only had about one, maybe two opportunities to get any points on any of these answers. And she needed, she only needed 18. 100 single men on a scale of 1 to 10, what chance do you have of dating a girl who's a 10? Four. Survey says, eh, zero. Kind of place people keep checking their watch. You said restaurant. Survey says, eh, zero. Name a noisy insect. You passed. Eh, zero. Name something a person's belly does. You said throws up. Survey says, eh, zero. (laughs) Fill in the blank. A married couple might be deeply in. You said marriage. Survey says, eh, zero. I've never seen that in my life. I've never seen someone get zeros across the board, ever. I've never seen five zeros. And, and look, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched every episode of Family Feud in my life, but usually now in the social media era, if somebody does, it's going viral. So I'm thinking that this has happened recently. If anybody knows, please let me know, because I had no idea this has even happened, that someone got five zeros. Now, not to completely shit on this girl, but... Like I said, her father gave four of the answers that he gave were number one answers on the board. And three of them she repeated, so she had to think of something on the spot. To not answer the question, name a noisy insect, I I mean, that's just on her. You got to throw an answer out there. Name a noisy insect. Yeah, when I was watching, the first thing that came to my mind was cricket. But after that, you know, insect. Um... Good question. I don't even know. But you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. She, so she had to repeat three answers. She, three answers she gave were answers that her dad gave. And her follow-up answers all got her zero points. All she needed was 18. And I, I, I get that there's a lot of pressure. I've never been on the family feud. I'm sure it's a lot different being there in the moment, knowing there's a, a clock that's counting down. And three times you get the, eh, eh, you know, give us a new answer. And yes, people struggle. But when your dad gets you 182 points <laughs> and you get the rest of the family zero and get five zeros, that's embarrassing. I didn't even feel bad for her. I was just laughing. <laughs> it's just, it's too funny. But now I need to know if this happened recently or if this has been on the internet forever. I just never saw it. Because Steve Harvey's been hosting Family Feud for a while now. At least, what, 10 years? So this could have been a while ago. But why it would show up on my my TikTok feed now means it makes me think it's happened within the last, I don't know, couple weeks, month. Uh, but, yeah, I know, I know I've never seen anybody get zeros across the board. I've seen, like, the first person get 150, 160 points and the second person melt down and not be able to get to 200. But I've never seen you only needed 18 points and you got zeros. Five zeros. And look, they were on questions that I I think she could have come up with an answer. Kind of place people keep checking their watch. Her dad said airport, she said airport. And then then her second answer was restaurant. I don't know. I mean, I guess you would look at your watch at a restaurant, but it's not really a, a place that immediately comes to mind for me. That's why 
church, doctor's office, those were the number one answers. And then everything else, like I said, he got a number one answer. Just funny. Just, man, you could send me game show gaffes until the end of time, and I would absolutely fall over laughing. I just think they're hilarious. Obviously, the greatest game show answer ever given was the newlywed game back in the day. This was like in the 70s, not the updated newlywed game that came out in the 80s. Bob Eubanks was the host. I don't remember the exact year, but I did rewatch the clip because it's hilarious. Bob Eubanks asks, this is, he asked it to the men, the husbands already. Then the women come out and they have to match answers. And the question was, where specifically is the weirdest place that you personally have ever gotten the urge to make whoopee? This was the 70s. So make whoopee means sex for those that are unaware of how they talked in the 70s on the newlywed game. Question, where specifically is the weirdest place that you personally have ever gotten the urge to make whoopee? And Olga, that was her name, Olga said, in the ass. (laughs) They bleeped it out, of course. And for the longest time, I think it was an urban legend. Because the Newlywood Game was a very popular dating game show back in the 70s and 80s. And for the longest time, it was an urban legend. Because I don't know if the episode ever aired. There is a clip of it online, but I don't know because of her answer and the way TV was back then. I don't know if it ever aired and maybe it was brought out after the fact. It probably did air and they just bleeped it out. But for the longest time, I thought it was an urban legend. There was like rumors going around that someone said that on a game show. And then that clip surfaced and Olga God bless her heart. You wonder. I mean, this was the 70s. I can't tell how old they were. I mean, Olga's probably in her 80s now, right? I mean, if they were, God, if they were mid, if they were in their 30s on the show, maybe they were earlier. And this is a newlywed game, and maybe people got married earlier back then, right? So maybe they were in their 20s. But she's got to be 75 or 80 by now. You know, you wonder if Olga's even still alive. But... Yeah. Weirdest place that you personally have ever gotten the urge to make whoopee. And Olga said in the ass. <laughs> oh, God. Send me all your game show gaffes. I absolutely love them. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. But subscribing is the best thing you can do to help this podcast. The daily, uh, the sports daily will be up in an hour from now if you want to check that out. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it, and I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.